Thank you for downloading the One Church Gloucester podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. To find out more about life at One Church, visit us online at thisisonechurch.com. Excellent. Right, are we ready? Yes. Sure. Stars are brightly shining. This is our Christmas series, part three. Let's do our uh, little Christmas reading together. There's a definite change of mood in the room. It must be December. Can't tell you how hard these preachers have been in November. But uh, well done, everybody. We're into December. Here we go. Matthew chapter two. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and... And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Okay, let's just do a quick recap of where where we've been going. Because in this series, the stars are brightly shining. We're we're kind of following these these mysterious wise men, these magi. Uh, So we've kind of discovered they probably weren't kings, right? And we've said, don't, you know, don't shout out in the middle of your kid's nativity. It's just more of a tradition than anything else. But these men probably weren't kings, but they were used to being in the courts of a king. Uh, In fact, they they were from a totally different religion. They were from a religion called Zoroastrianism. We learned that a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? Uh, And they would spend their days, they were like priests and prophets in their nation. They would study the skies and the stars and they would interpret dreams in, in a hope that they would be able to interpret God's words and God's will, their God's words and their God's will to their king. And it's these wise men that this star appears in front of and they choose to follow this star. And last week, Amy uh, spoke excellently and she talked about the, the, the difference in the reaction between how those wise men found Jesus and, and that news uh, and King Herod. And it said it's to do with our expectation, our estimation. Well, so this is what Amy said uh, last Sunday. Our estimation determines our expectation. How you esteem God today would determine how expectant you were to receive something from him today. It was the same between the Magi and Herod and some of the other people. And we started the series a few weeks ago uh, by saying that the star was a sign. And just as the star was a sign, Jesus' birth was a sign that good news has come. And good news was to come and it was on its way. And, And when we're presented with a sign from God, we can either embrace the sign 
like the wise men did, or we can ignore the signs and bury our head in the sand. And that's the decision that we're faced with. And today, this is what we're going to do. So I know sometimes you might want to jot a few things down. If there's just a couple of things you want to jot down, but today we're going to look at this because we're going to go look at these stars that the Magi were staring into. And the scale of that is sensational. And the scale of our universe, the scale is sensational, but the detail is significant. Okay, And this is how this works. God plans, God pursues, and God permits. Okay, God has a plan, God pursues you with that plan, and then God permits you to choose whether you follow that plan or not. And this is what we're going to learn from the, from the Magi, the wise men today. Um, if you ask my daughter what her favourite song is, she will say, Twinkle, twinkle, little star. <laughs> And uh, it's genuinely her favourite song. And, uh, and she'll sing it for you if you like. She doesn't get all the words right, but give her a break. She's two. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, this like wonderful piece of ancient poetry ish. Uh, I just about, like, you know, which star was that written about? Or let's bring this back to Matthew chapter 2. Which star were these magi following? What star did they see? And what was it about that star that seemed to stand out from all the other stars as that, that totally changed their direction? Um, you see, if we, go, if we go out at night, sometimes, if we ever look up, we go, oh, stars are bright tonight, aren't they? It's like a little, hmm, hmm. oh, stars are bright tonight. Oh, the moon's bright tonight, isn't it? Uh, most of the time, we're in Britain, so it's covered in cloud, and we rarely see these things through called stars, and half of you are having to Google, what is a star? Um, <laughs> We don't see the stars that often, do we? So, um, but we could see. Now, let's just say if, if, uh, if we all went somewhere like uh, in the middle of a field that was far away from any town or, or city, no, away from any bright lights, and let's say that your eyesight is 20-20, it, you have perfect eyesight, there's, no, there's not lots of lights around you, and, the cloud, and the, there was not a cloud in the sky, you could probably see, at best, about 5,000 stars. That's how many stars that, that you could see. I wonder which one... The Magi saw. I wonder which one, wonder which one they saw out of all those 5,000 stars. The problem is it's really hard for us to really see how many stars there are, or really what it means to look at the sky. Now, we're going to look in a second about what some of the biblical authors, how they dis- saw the sky. So to help us kind of, because we're going to understand what the Magi saw, we kind of need to get back into their shoes just a little bit. So here's a skyline, like modern day, 2018. Uh, New York city centre skyline. That massive building illuminated in the middle is, of course, the Empire State Building. Well done, everybody. Ten points. And, um, you know, that's like one of the most famous skylines in the world. Many of you would have recognised that. Some of you maybe even have been fortunate enough to see that. Um, Now, if you were in that city, the chances of you being able to see some stars, it's quite minimal, just because of the amount of lights that are around you. But a French photographer called Thierry Cohen went on a, did a, a photography project where he wanted to kind of show if it wasn't for all the lights, this is what we could see. So he went to uh, the middle of a desert and took the same photo at the same angle of the same part of sky and then superimposed it over like a New York skyline like this. If they turned all the lights off in New York, that's what the sky would look like. That's incredible, isn't it? That's incredible. So then put yourself back in the first century where there is no electricity and there is no bright lights anywhere on the planet. So all the lights are off. And then imagine being one of the magi looking up in the sky 
I mean, you can imagine the sense of awe and wonder that the sensational views they would have had looking at the sky. I was just imagine, look at some of the, the biblical writers uh, did this. So as Isaiah, a, a famous Old Testament prophet, he, he wrote this in chapter 40, verse 26. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. See a prophet looking at the sky, feeling inspired because we're seeing something that we don't get to see in 2018. Psalm 19 verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. Uh, You might be familiar with this uh, Old Testament story, this Old Testament promise that God makes to a man called Abraham. And he says this, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. So we've got this awe, this wonder, this magnitude. It's used as as a way of describing more than you could possibly, possibly count. And it comes also with a warning that we're not meant to worship the stars. So Deuteronomy 4, and when you look up at the sky and see the sun, the moon and the stars, all the heavenly array, do not be enticed into bowing down to them and worshipping things the Lord your God has apportioned to all the nations under heaven. So to understand why Magi might look into the sky and feel inspired to move, or why some of these poetic authors of the Bible are inspired to write of the awesome awe and wonder of God, we've got to imagine what they were actually looking at when they saw the skies, when they looked into the sky. And there's us having our best go, and at best we could see about 5,000 of them on a good day, if your eyesight's good. So try and get ahead. I want us to really get a, a head around the, the scale of this universe. That, that God, as we read in one of those verses there, that it says that, that as God has called forth each star by name, you know, cast these stars into the sky. And I want us to get our head around the magnitude of that. So, Nate, if you're going to help me a second, we're going to need some help as well, Charlie. Thank you. And uh, we're going to start with, with a star. So we've said this. We've gone outside, turned all the lights out gone far away from the nearest uh, city and we're looking up and we could probably see 5,000. Okay, obviously the other 5,000 that you could have been able to see are on the other hemisphere. All right? But on our side of the planet, if, if, the, if the sky is good, we could see about 5,000. So there's, there's, a, there's, there's, a, there's Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Um, and then our human eye, okay? Our human eye sees 5,000 stars, which is pretty impressive, isn't it? Pretty impressive. Most of the stars that you can see when you look into the night sky are from our galaxy. And our galaxy, of which our solar system is tucked away in the corner of, is called the Milky Way. Which, it turns out, isn't just a chocolate bar. So, but for the sake of everybody here, here's, here's the Milky Way. Thanks. So our eyes can see, at best, 5,000 stars. Most of us are in contact lenses or glasses, so we'll probably have to tone that down a little bit. But let's, say, let's be generous to one another. You can see 5,000 stars in the Milky Way, in our galaxy. It's estimated there's more like... How many zeros have we got there? 200 billion stars. 200 billion stars in our galaxy 
alone. That's an incredible amount of stars, isn't it? Like our galaxy, the Milky Way, is so big, it's, it's a thousand light years across. It's beyond our comprehension how big our galaxy is. And our little solar system that we learned about in primary school is just tucked away somewhere in the corner of our galaxy. So we can see 5,000 stars, but what in our galaxy alone, there are 200 billion stars. It's estimated that there's at least another 100 billion galaxies. I mean, let's just multiply that by 100, it takes us at least, and that takes us to 20,000 billion stars in all the galaxies in the universe. Which one again? Which one again was the one that the Magi saw? Which one is Twinkle Twinkle Little Star written about? I don't know, but there's, I mean, that's an insane number of stars, and we're underestimating this massively, just because I didn't want to uh, exaggerate for you. 20,000 billion stars. Everyone breathed into existence by God. Everyone breathed into existence by God. 20 billion stars in the universe, and it hasn't finished yet. The universe is still expanding. It's estimated that a new star is born every second. One born every second. A new star, a new star, a new star. You know, like when we describe God as creator, we're not describing him as something that used to be on his job description, but we're describing something about his character. So if God is the, cre is the creator, he's still creating out there. So in the time I've been speaking, there's thousands of stars that have been put into the sky. If he can keep creating out there, who's to say he can't keep creating in here? Who's to say that he's not still creating something in our life? Because he is creator and he breathed those into existence. He's breathing new life into you. Isn't it fascinating that the same word is used to describe how life animated the human body as God breathed into the nostrils of Adam. They breathed this life into it. 20,000 billion stars. Some of them are dying, but more are being born every second. Isn't that incredible? One of those stars, though. You're going to love this star. One of the stars. This is the biggest star that we have found so far. Uh, yeah, we're getting bigger. We're probably going to need some help. Jess, thank you. And... Uh, one of these stars yeah, is quite big, so you might have to keep going. Yeah, it's quite big, keep going. There we go, there we go. One of these stars is called the Canis Majoris. The Canis Majoris. Well, here's, a, here's a picture of it up on screen as well. The Canis Majoris. Can you see that number underneath? The Canis Majoris is seven quadrillion, seven quadrillion times the size of Earth. Set I don't even know what a quadrillion is, <laughs> other than it's 15 zeros, okay? Seven quadrillion times the size of Earth, as in our Earth could fit inside this star seven quadrillion times. Okay, now this is where we're going with this. Uh, I didn't know how to describe that, but there's a, uh, a brilliant video on YouTube by Louis Giglio called Indescribable, and he helps you understand the size of this star, and he says, if the Earth was a golf ball, If the Earth was a golf ball, can you see you? There's you. There's Canada. <laughs> Asia. Okay. North Pole. Hay Centre. Okay. Can you see yourself on there somewhere? So if Earth is this size, okay, then next time you're popping past Mount Everest, you know, you're just walking by, take your golf ball, put a golf ball at the foot of Mount Everest, step back, and see the golf ball on the floor and go, if that is Earth, Everest is that star, the Canis Majoris. 
That's out there somewhere. Now, sleep well tonight. It's a long way away. <laughs> All right? Because you know, if that thing came anywhere near us, that wouldn't just fright. That wouldn't just be like, oh, global warming's accelerated, doesn't it? <laughs> and that would like wipe out our entire solar system if this thing got anywhere near us. So sleep okay today. You, you know, don't want to give you any anxieties. That's, like, that's a long, long way away, this star. This seven quadrillion times the size of Earth. It is a long, long way away. It says this in Psalm 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord... The heavens were made, their starry host by the (sighs) breath of his mouth, which includes something that's so big, we have to create other metaphors for us to even get close to understanding how big that is. There's one star that we're most familiar with. One star we're most familiar with. Yeah, let's roll this out. Keep going. We need a bigger stage, folks. Uh, Here we go. Uh, this star's called the sun. Uh, it's a mere one million times the size of Earth. <laughs> I don't know, like, that would have been a big number if we started the other way around, wouldn't it? But it's, it's tiny, isn't it? It's just a, just a million times the size of Earth. The, the, uh, the surface of the sun roars and burns at a thousand Fahrenheit degrees. Yeah, thousand degrees Fahrenheit. It's a fierce, ferocious star that is, that is 93 million miles away from where you sit right now. Okay, it's 93 million miles away from where you sit right now. It's uh, the, the force of it, see, the, the energy that it produces. It produces 4 million tons of energy every second. Every second. Which is handy because of the next bit. Here we go. You might have to go out the fire exit, Chris, as we unravel this any further. Ah, Earth. Abby's done a great job designing this, by the way, isn't she? This is, uh, Uh, design A star. Geography? <laughs> if, at a certain angle, I'll give you that. That's the UK. You have to, you have to do this. Um, so uh, here's, here's our planet, okay? Here's our planet. Safely, like 93 million miles away from the sun, remember? Travelling at a speed of 67,000 miles an hour around the sun. No wonder life passes you by. Okay? Travelling around the sun at exactly the right speed. Uh, it gets a... Uh, this is the relationship with the sun. So you said that there's 4 million tonnes of energy from the sun. Uh, the Earth gets 99% of all its energy from the sun, from its star. Uh, it has an incredible impact on the Earth. In fact, uh, the, the Earth, as we know, is, is on a tilt. Uh, and 60% of that tilt is because of the sun, 40% because of the moon. And we're tilting at the moment at 23.5 degrees. Just the right amount, by the way. And we're spinning at just the right speed and travelling through space at just the right time and speed as well. And, and, and our star has an amazing impact on our planet. It even impacts the atmosphere that, that we're in, and our atmosphere is incredible. Our atmosphere converts uh, helium into hydrogen at 0.007%. If our atmosphere converted helium to hydrogen at 0.008%, we would not be alive by now. 0.006%, also not alive right now. 
Our atmosphere is 21% oxygen. If we were 22% oxygen, we wouldn't be alive right now. 20%, no life. 21%, just right. So there we are, spinning at just the right speed, at just the right angle, around the sun. All hundreds of these little little figures of atmospheric pressure and oxygen and salt content in the sea at 3.4%. All of these things are absolutely perfect. There's an incredible order to all of these things so that life can be sustained. And then somewhere on... Ah, I wanted to show you that, this picture first as well. This is... Uh, I don't know if you put it up, I wasn't looking. Uh, to give you a context of Earth, there you are. Can anybody see Earth on that picture? If you can look in that little red mist, this is a photo taken from Voyager 1 in 1990. And in that red mist, there's a little white blob, or it's a pale blue dot is the nickname it got given. That's what we look like at 3.7 billion miles away. Are you starting to feel a little bit insignificant? Everyone feeling a bit small? Remember, the scale is sensational, but we're going to get to the detail because the detail is significant, okay? But there is a sensational scale that, that, that we're on. And, and there's us somewhere on this, on this earth. Ravel us out. Here we are. Ta-da! There you are. There's you. There's you. Standing somewhere on this planet Earth, looking up at the stars... And here's this what's going on. Just for you to look at the stars, just for you to look at, your, at the stars, one million fibres are working together for your eye to be able to see the stars. Yeah, and most of us have two eyes. And that's two million fibres working, working together to translate what they're seeing. If you looked at the stars for one second, your body just created two to three million red blood cells. Every one of those red blood cells carries your DNA. DNA is a code that is unique to you. If we extracted that code and put it next to one another and placed all of your DNA code next, next to one another, there would be enough code to get from you to the sun, remember, 93 million miles away and back again, 400 times. That's in you right now. The scale is sensational but the detail is so significant because it seems like there's so much order doesn't there it seems like there's all these stars that have been breathed into the sky there's 70,000 billion stars every one of them being brought forth by God he's named every single one of them it says and we've got this giant ball of burning gas that's thankfully really really far away and all of this is in order because that giant star or even our star the sun can't suddenly decide you know what? I'm going to take a little trip down to earth today that looks fun. It's the only one that's got life on it. I'm going to take a little look. And even if it moved a little bit closer to us, we'd be burnt to a crisp. If it didn't like us one week and pulled further away, we would freeze to death. There is so much order right on down to the, the magnitude of the universe, down to how many red blood cells your body just created in the time it took me to say this sentence. So much order. The scale is sensational. But isn't it incredible? Because I don't, know, I don't know the answer to the question, which star arrived and led the Magi to Jesus. But it does tell us something about how God works. That God, who is creator and brought the universe into existence, sets all of this going and he, he breathes stars over there and stars over there, breathed one really big star and a few little tiny ones like ours, 
And he created all of these, called them forth by name, set all of this in motion, put our sun in the middle of our solar system, created some other planets and us, sent us flinging around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour, sets all of this in motion, creates us in such a unique way that this design that we have, this incredible, intelligent design is all set up for him to send one of those stars to go somewhere over ancient Persia so that some wise men looking at the skies will see something and they could have just gone, "Eh." stars are bright, don't they? God set all of this up and sent one of those 20,000 billion stars above their head and they could have gone, oh, I am at my mum's on Sunday, so... And if we really are going to go, I mean, westward leading, we are going to be proceeding for a long time, aren't we? Like, you know, to get to where we are, from where we are to where we want to get to, we're going to have to go either through a desert or around the desert. Like, hands up, who loves travelling through deserts? No, no. I mean, we're going to be on the road for weeks and months if we're going to actually make our way to Bethlehem and follow this star. I mean, that just baffles me. That, that, that all of this effort has gone into putting this universe into existence. And, and, and let's be generous and say that, there's, that 99.999% of the universe has this incredible, perfectly fine-tuned cosmological order. And the other 0.001% is our free will. And that God would do all of this in front of us just to wait for us to go, will you follow the star? And isn't this incredible that all of this order that we were created ever so slightly differently to literally everything else in the universe? There's not a single planet that has, gets to decide what it did this morning. There's not a single star that got to decide how hot it was going to be, where it was going to travel today. But you did. But you did. And God puts all of this into motion so that we would have all of these little moments where we get to choose what we do with all of that. Isn't that incredible? All of that, so you get to choose how you walk into your office tomorrow. He goes like, this this should show us, like, "It's it's not an accident. That job you have isn't an accident. That family that you put you in, that wasn't by accident, that wasn't a mistake. That pregnancy isn't an accident. (laughs) But it's to show us that we get to choose what we do every single moment of that. And isn't it incredible that that they could have gone, don't really fancy it. But God would have found another way to use his universal order to come back in front of you time and time again. Say, will you follow me now? Will, 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 Will you let me lead you now? And he comes to those wise men, he says, I'm going to move you from your worship of this other God and worshipping the stars. I'm going to move you from that, so that I'm going to take you this way so that you, can, you get to choose, but, but I'm inviting you to come and worship Jesus instead. He says he takes us and he goes, like, you, know, you don't have to worship your career anymore. I'm going to give you some free will, just enough free will, so you get to decide that you don't have to worship your career. Instead, you can put Jesus at number one in your life. You don't have to worship your money anymore, uh, even worship your debt anymore, but we can move away and and, and put God and put Jesus as priority and move our worship, face our worship from this way. And and, and all these little moments he placed in front of us, go, will you follow me now? Will you follow me now? Will you follow me now? And this is what it means to live big. 
everyone, the more moments of those, we realise, ah, this isn't an accident. This isn't a surprise to God. He has set all this in motion for this invitation for me to step into his created order. Let me take this one step further. Romans chapter 8. I think we need to let you guys sit down. Uh, you guys figure what you're going to do with that. And band, you can come up as well. Well done, guys. Well done, guys. Remember what we said at the start, okay? Those, those three things about God. So God plans, God pursues, and then God permits. So God creates this huge, massive, awesome plan that includes 20,000 billion stars and you. And he has all of that planning, and then he pursues you time and time again. You might be here because God has pursued you for some time. And maybe you're here for the first time. God has pursued you so that you would be here today. You've tried running away from him. He keeps showing up. How annoying. I don't apologise. It's how he works. So God plans and he pursues us, but he never makes us. He invites us and he permits us to say, am I going to step into this or not? Now this is, what really, this is what's really going to take this home, okay? Romans chapter 8. Because he doesn't just get you to step into some robotic order. Okay, that's called determinism, where there's no free will. Everything's decided for me. The Matrix movie proved that wrong. And loads of other philosophy and science. So determinism is the alternative. The other alternative, uh, the other alternative to that is chance. So all, all of that that we just explained and all these moments that we have and all the intelligent fine-tuning design and cosmological order, that's come out of chance. So but I'm going to make an assumption here that we're here because we're interested in pursuing something that's more intelligent than chance and something that's more hopeful than determinism. And here we are in this moment because God doesn't just invite us after all of that to use our free will to step into some planetary order to start spinning around. This isn't like aligning yourself with the stars. Please don't hear that. All right? There's, it's, it's way better than that. Yeah. Right? Romans 8. For the creation, all of that, all of that stars, planets, galaxies, you, everything that surrounds us, everything that's living, the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Let me tell you what's going on in that verse, saying uh, everything that's been created so far is here now. And all of creation waits to see, will you? Will you? Will you? Will you not just step into some kind of cosmic order? Will you step into a family relationship with the divine being that created all of that? Those next verses talk about this is this is an adoption into something. This is an inclusion in his family. He says, I will make you not just another one of the hundred billion planets, I'm gonna make you my daughter today. You get to step into being my son this afternoon. See, this is powerful. If you maybe you're familiar with the 12 steps recovery program, and it talks about the importance of understanding there is a higher power. What I'm trying to explain today is it makes more, it, it's far more helpful to put a name to that higher power. Because then it takes us from just a, yes, there's a higher power that's in control of all of this, to there's a higher power who has a name. Yeah. And he knows you by name. Yeah. And he invites you into a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So you, it, it takes us beyond like, yeah, there's something out there, there's something behind all of this too. Yeah, his name's Father God. Yeah. 
and creation waits in eager expectation for you to go and I will be your daughter today. I will be your son today. I will step into this relationship with you because you've seemed to have gone to a lot of effort to allow me to come to this moment. I'm going to step into something today that could change everything forever. It changed the Magi's lives forever. It's changed billions of people's lives forever. And we need that. We need that. That we would turn our face and see that there's a moment right now for us to respond to. Another moment of free will where God has created all this kind of stuff for us to go and this Father God is what I'm going to step into. We're going to finish by doing uh, two things. We're going to pray together and in that time of prayer I'm going to ask you to say uh, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you and just to say hey this is this is the thing I've put in front of you. This is the this is the the one in 20,000 billion stars that I've just placed in front of you, but leaving it to you to decide whether you follow this today. Some of you are facing some uh, decisions in your workplaces and God said, look, I'm allowing you to choose, but I've, I've created a path for you. Step into sonship with me. Step into daughterhood with me. Some of you are facing some challenges with your family and God said, oh, it's, it's not an accident. I brought this about so that you could step into relationship with me through this. And some of, some of you are in pain today. And he, he's come to you today to say, please don't stay in your pain. He doesn't ask us to ignore it. He asks us to go, let me be your daddy and take you by the hand. And let's walk through this together because we'll walk out of it if we keep going. So would you stand with me? We're going to pray. We're going to pray. So first thing we're going to do is going to pray just that the, the Spirit, Holy Spirit speaks to us. And then we're going to finish just by worshipping because as the Old Testament prophets and psalmists looked up at the heavens and were in awe and amazement, I'm hoping I've inspired a little bit of that in you today. That the God of the heavens who breathes the stars into existence, who calls each one forth by name, calls you by name. And he has a plan and a purpose for you. And how far would you go to find purpose and meaning this Christmas? So Holy Spirit, just ask as I always do, that your voice would be louder than mine. And God, in your own way, just speak to people right now, would you? Just speak to us. you're ready come and lift your worship as we close this service come and worship him worship the God who while creating a star seven quadrillion times the size of earth he created every subatomic particle that's buzzing around your body right now Jesus I'm in awe and wonder of you Father God thank you